is Radio Prague International coming to you from the Czech capital. Hello and welcome. I'm Ruth Franikova and you are listening to Czechia in 30 minutes, the show where we give you the overview of the latest news from the country. Coming up in today's show, a sex helpline operated by the National Institute of Mental Health now also covers sexual orientation and gender identity. The upcoming International Book Fair and Literary Festival Bookworld Prague will focus on German-speaking literature and the German-speaking Prague author Franz Kaffer. And later, two years after Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine began, we speak to two young Ukrainian refugees who are building new lives here in Czechia. Of course, when you like sit here, read news all the time, you feel like super mentally overwhelmed by this. And I am super actually grateful for all the psychology help that we have, because I don't know how I have handled it without it. All this coming up in today's program, but first, here is the news brought to you by Anna Fodor. News. Czechia is leading a Europe-wide campaign to collect 1.5 billion US dollars to buy ammunition for Ukraine from outside the EU, the Financial Times reported on Friday. The newspaper writes that Czechia is spearheading the initiative to compensate for the congressional deadlock on US aid and delays in European production. Czech President Petr Pavel already announced the plan to buy artillery shells for Ukraine from so-called third countries at the Munich Security Conference last week. But the Financial Times has newly revealed the amount of money that Czechia is calling for, citing unnamed sources. The U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation is helping with the inquiry into December's shooting at Charles University in Prague, FBI Director Christopher Wray told Lidlvær Noviny in an interview. The FBI chief was in Prague this week to meet with Interior Minister Vít Rakušan on Thursday. During his visit, he expressed his condolences for the victims of the shooting at the Faculty of Arts, during which a lone gunman killed 14 people and then himself and injured 25 others. Former U.S. President Bill Clinton is due to visit Prague in March at the invitation of President Petr Pavel. Mr. Clinton will be one of the keynote speakers at a conference entitled Our Security is Not a Given, the organizers of the event said on Friday. Clinton last visited the Czech capital in 2011 to attend the funeral of Václav Havel. The conference, which will mark the 25th anniversary of Czechia's accession to NATO, will take place on March 12th in the Spanish Hall of Prague Castle. It will be attended by top Czech officials and foreign guests, among them former NATO Secretary-General George Robertson. Activists from the pro-democracy direct action group Kapuchin painted the Ukrainian flag on the ground in front of some Russian-owned apartment buildings in Prague on Friday to protest against Russia's war in Ukraine on the eve of the two-year anniversary of the full-scale invasion. Some of the Russian tenants shouted at the activists from their windows and balconies, calling them Nazis, and one tenant threw an egg at them. Another tenant subsequently walked over the flag. The demonstration was attended by the police. The public prosecutor has accepted two of the five appeals against the initiation of criminal proceedings in the case of the Yeshjed cable car accident. Three people still remain accused of general endangerment due to negligence and face three to eight years in prison if found guilty. The investigation is ongoing. The accident happened on October 31, 2021, when the cable car on Yeshjed Mountain near Liberets fell from a height of 30 metres, killing the operator, who was alone in the cabin, on impact. 
Sparta Prague eliminated Turkish team Galatasaray 6-4 on aggregate in the UEFA Europa League playoffs after a 4-1 victory in a second-leg match at their home stadium on Thursday. The Czech Football League champions scored three goals after the visiting team were down to 10 men when Galatasaray defender Kan Ayan was shown a red card in the 68th minute. And finally, a quick look at the weather forecast. Saturday could see some showers in the morning, but will dry up by the afternoon. There should also be some sunshine in the morning, but it will get more overcast later in the day. Daytime temperatures should range between 3 and 10 degrees Celsius. I'm Anna Fodor, and that was today's news from Czechia. Stay tuned for a more in-depth look at some more of today's top stories. Thanks very much to Anna Fodor for giving us today's news. And now it's time to go a little deeper behind some of the recent headlines in Czechia. A sex helpline operated by the National Institute of Mental Health, which initially focused on sexual behavior and dysfunctions, has now been upgraded to cover sexual orientation and gender identity. Daniela Lazarova asked the Institute's Adam Schreier to explain what the National Helpline for Sexual and Gender Health offers and who it is meant to serve. Our helpline is uh, confidential and offers crisis intervention, basic information and support to those individuals who are at least 16 years old and have problems or questions regarding to their sexuality or gender identity. In what way is it different from what we had before? Because there must have been a helpline before. So what is new about it and what actually made you establish it? You know, before... This helpline, there wasn't really any helpline which would uh, focus on sexuality in general. I think this helpline is even unique on a global scope, uh, whereas uh, usually uh, overseas they have uh, helplines which focus on LGBT or sexual dysfunctions. This helpline puts those topics together and offers complex help and even redirections to uh, health or social care. Do you feel that there is a growing need for this among young people to deal with issues uh, regarding gender identity? Mm, I don't know if there is increasing need. However, we know that people who have questions uh, regarding their sexuality or the, uh, gender identity often struggle with those questions and therefore it's needed. Uh, there will be psychologists uh, on the line. So uh, is this a kind of first aid where you direct people to further counselling? Um, yes and no. Uh, you know, crisis intervention is mainly, you know, to help the person to deal with the crisis and to prevent uh, severe problems in future. And this might or might not involve further social or health care. Uh, we tend to respect individual needs. So if the person doesn't really want to go any further with the care, we don't push them anywhere. It really depends on them and their needs. And I suppose it's totally confidential. Yeah, it is. We don't even see their phone numbers. Uh, Can friends and family also call for advice if they're worried about someone? They can, uh, not only if they are worried, but also if they have questions. You know, they have some doubts if their close person is, for example gay or uh, trans and they don't know how to address it, they can discuss it with us and maybe even to uh, make a plan how to discuss it. Right. Uh, is it a 24-hour helpline? Uh, unfortunately, no. But you can reach us uh, during working days 
on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m., and on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. But you can uh, always uh, find more information on sexhelpline.cz. Uh, Adam Schreier talking there to my colleague Daniela Lazarova. Preparations are in full swing for the annual International Book Fair and Literary Festival Book World Prague, which gets underway in May. Organizers have just announced that this year's edition will honor the centenary of Franz Kafka. Unlike in previous years, the guest of honor won't be just one country, but German language literature as a whole. I discussed the upcoming event with its director, Radovan Auer. The reason why we decided for this year to select German-speaking literature as a collective guest of honor organized mainly by the countries of Germany, Switzerland and Austria is that uh, this year we have the 100th anniversary of death of Franz Kafka. Franz Kafka is the person who's connecting German-speaking literature with Prague, with our city. So that was one of the reasons why we selected this guest of honor for this year. How will this anniversary be reflected in the program? There will be more than a hundred events dedicated to Franz Kafka. So I'm not going to name all of them, but the big opening uh, of uh, our book uh, event will be the concert of Kafka Band starring the author Jaroslav Rudish and the drawer Jaromir Devadesadevit. And Kafka Band, if I'm not mistaken, sets Franz Kafka's texts to music, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. If I'm not mistaken, even the festival's motto will be linked to Kafka. It's a quote by Franz Kafka, a book must be the axe for the frozen sea within us. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this motto will go through all the programs, not, of course, only the programs dedicated to German-speaking literature or Franz Kafka. It's connected also with our activities on the field of freedom of speech. We will again give the Yuzi Tainer Award, which is dedicated to the authors which are fighting for freedom of speech. And of course, it will be reflected also in the program of other authors. Can you mention at least some of the highlights of the program dedicated to German language literature? We have like uh, 20 events with uh, German authors. Some of them are connecting the Czech territory with German-speaking countries like Jaroslav Rudisch with Reinhard Kleist and many others. But I'm not going to name them right now because we will announce the program in uh, early March. As you said, uh, it is too early to announce the details of the program, but is there anything in particular that you are looking forward to? I can name maybe the Armenian writer Narin Abgarian. She's now quite popular in Czech Republic and she will have a new book on our book fair or our special guest, which we wanted to invite also some years before, but now we succeeded, which will be the Russian dissident Ludmila Ulitskaya. Radovan Auer talking about the upcoming Book World Prague.
Just a reminder that you are listening to Radio Prague International, the external service of Czech Radio, where it's now time for today's main feature. On Saturday, it will be two years since Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And in connection with that anniversary, Ian Willoughby spoke to two young Ukrainian refugees trying to build new lives here in Czechia. My first question for both of you, what were the circumstances of you coming to Czechia? Did you come alone or with others? Why Czechia? Masha? I come here with my mom. I don't remember actually all war, like all situations, because, you know, for me it's like in a fog. I remember like this extremely long queue in the shops. I remember all these air raids. I remember that we see it without any electricity and water for like two weeks. And then one day, a bombshell uh, fell very close to my grandmother's place. And in this time, my mom realized that we can just sit and do nothing. And she take all things that we have, and then we just moved to west part of the Ukraine at the start. Actually, we didn't know where we go. We don't have any goal. We just we just go somewhere in a safe place. And she called her friend who lives here, and her friend said that actually we can come to her place, and we come actually at the start to Pilsen. And we live in Pilsen, like I live in Pilsen, like year and half, and my mom still living in Pilsen. Mikola, what were your circumstances of your arrival here? I used to be a student in Kharkiv, and when the war just started, uh, I decided to move after a week to my hometown, to occupied city, Melitopol, on the southeast of Ukraine. And then I realized that I have no more patience to be there because of soldiers, uh, military there, and I decided to move from there to the Czech Republic. I had a friend of mine who was working on a factory in Pilsen also. So I went there and I was working there for a month or something. And then I moved to Prague. Can I ask you, have you had family members or friends who have been like severely affected by the war? I don't know. All of us is affected by the war. My family, my father and brother live in Arikiv. Uh, it's my hometown. It's a very small town. It's Right now it's in the red zone. And it's like bombed all the time. So they actually live in here when it was like bombing like for 12 hours a day. And, but I don't like no friends who like literally like soldiers or something like this. Just my family who were affected by war. All my friends just left the Ukraine after the war started. And my father and the majority of my family are staying in the occupied city of Melitopol. And my mother and my little brother, they uh, escaped to the Zaporizhia city. And I have nobody who's on mm, war or something. What were your beginnings like here in Czechia? When you first arrived here, how did you find getting used to living here? When I arrived, I met the first guy who I met was my friend. And the second one was my employer. Uh, we were texting on WhatsApp and we agreed that I will work there. So we met and... Firstly, we went to the store where he bought me uh, clothes to work. And on the second day, I opened my visa here. And on the third, I started to work on the factory uh, without any knowledge of Czech language and uh, without any official document that approved that I'm a worker. I come to Pilsen with my mom. Actually, I don't know what I have to do. Like, I have no ideas. Uh, my mom, she has to actually help my brother and father because they stay in Ukraine in a rehab. It's in very, like, bad time and they can't work at the moment. So my mom <clears throat> go to the warehouse and she work actually at this warehouse, like, here in half. 
it's very hard work to her because she's already 50 this year and I just come to volunteer center from people in need and I work in here like year and a half because it was just one actions they know how to do help people and is it the case that you are a student still at university in Ukraine but online yes yes I study in university in Ukraine online it's actually very like difficult at this moment because we have air rates and it's like impossible to work at the same time uh, to somehow live here and uh, study in Ukraine because we have a schedule but because of air rates we always postpone our lectures and it's so hard at this time because you can just sit home and study normally you have like you postpone your lecture you have to come like at weekends or somehow and it's never works like as it has to. And Nicola, you are a youth outreach consultant with UNICEF. What kind of help do young Ukrainians who come here to Czechia typically need? When I just started to work, the main part of my job was to make young refugees Ukrainian who are under 18 to know that they have to prolong their visa because it was not possible if they have no parents here and if they have no guardian here, official guardian. So we try to make them to know how to find a guardian, how to make everything official, so they won't lose the chance to prolong their visa. After that, we have started to provide uh, co-creation sessions, we call them, uh, where we try to get to know more about challenges and needs uh, youth are facing here in the Czech Republic. And I interviewed about 200 Ukrainian refugees already. And the main challenge now they are facing is the accessibility to the education. What about their mental state? I can't imagine being forced to leave my country because of war, especially not as a teenager. What state are these kids in when they arrive here typically? Uh, Actually, it is the, the second biggest problem they are facing because... It is really horrible, and I can't imagine with what some of them seen in Ukraine. And moving here is really hard, because you can just start to socialize immediately. You, you need some time, you need some work with a uh, psychiatrist or psychologist. That's the situation. And do you find that even though you are physically here in Czechia, that you are mentally always in Ukraine also? Because I presume... With social media, you are so close to what's happening in your country all the time. Yes, it's true. Actually, from the moment I came here, I work more than with 10 like, psychologists from people in it, from Ria, from Nudes. I just don't have any idea how like, to manage it. You can't predict what's happening in the war. And your parents become a child in this position because they, like, my parents was entrepreneurs. They, like, built all their life. And now all what they do is, like, ruined by bombs. They don't have any chance to, like, make it back. And my mother and my father don't know how to live, like, life normally. And I'm just in my 20s, yes? I even don't know how to live my life normally in Ukraine. And I don't know how to do it still here. Like, I have no idea. So, like, it's mentally so hard. It's so hard because you don't know how to get through some situation because you have never faced with them and you're like through like a whole environment have never faced with this problem as well so of course when you like sit here read news all the time you feel like super mentally overwhelmed by this and I am super actually grateful for all the psychology helps that we have because I don't know how I have handled it without it what about you Mikola how do you find this I presume your head is in both places yes it's it's true I always my thoughts and my soul there 
and every morning I'm reading the news and if there is air raids at night uh, or bombshells or drones flying over the Zaporizhia city I'm always calling my, ma- my mom and asking her but, but she's a strong woman and she's always saying that everything is fine, no worries Do you sometimes think that she is not telling you the truth? Yes, probably You've both been here for a couple of years already. How welcoming were Czechs when you first arrived? Actually, it was very welcoming. Like, I'm so grateful for people who are around me because I was so scared. My mom didn't know any word in English and I just know some English and it's all what I knew. So when I come here, the volunteer help us and they help us so much. So I got like understand that I want to be a volunteer as well at this moment. And I still like work and speak with Czech people. I moved to Prague by myself. And I speak with Czech people around me a lot. It's incredibly... I, I'm very like, grateful for them because even if I don't understand something in Czech, they translate it to English, but make me to speak with them in Czech. It's very good for integration. It's incredible. And actually, I was uh, in a lot of events the Czech use make for us use. Like, it's incredibly like they make it by themselves. It was from one Erasmus project when Czech use uh, make us, like Ukrainians, speak about our problems and, uh, and like we speak with check people about it and how we face it. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to understand like uh, Czech mentality. People of the Czech Republic were really kind to us. There were many NGO organizations which helped us. I was living actually in the organizations uh, for help for refugees which provided me with accommodation. I lived in a hotel for refugees. When I moved to Prague I realized that there are really many many ways to get uh, support from the Czech Republic. Have you found any change among Czech people in your two years here? Are they in any way less welcoming than they were before? I can say that. I sometimes hear about acts of aggression against the Ukrainian people by Czechs. Have you or your friends been the victim of any kind of acts of aggression at all, Maria? Actually, may not. I don't know this situation because I I don't have actually this situation in my life. Maybe I hear some like stories about it, but I have never faced it in my life, and I don't believe in rumors, so I don't know. Even if something like that is happening, we have to understand the number of people uh, from Ukraine who came here. It's about five hundred thousand in the beginning, and now it's three hundred thousand. It is not possible to avoid any conflicts or arguments. Obviously, a lot of Russians live here in Czechia. Considering the terrible things that the Russians are doing to your people, how do you feel when you meet Russians, for example, on the street or on public transport or somewhere like that, uh, Mikola? I'm currently studying in university on international relations, and I've been working with UNICEF for enough time to understand that everyone has his own thoughts about war. It's no matter what language you speak, where are you from. I just want you to be a kind person and understand the situation, uh, the circumstances you are at now. Yes, it's more important what they are doing at this moment, what they actually like. Because when I work in people need to have some couple of people from Russia and from Belarus, but they actually do something for help Ukraine. So I think it's a point who is like real matter in this one.
Two years, obviously, is a very long time. It's a big part of your lives, your lives to date. How do you manage, if you do manage, to keep your spirits up, to keep positive in some way after two years, Nicola? I was lucky to be uh, accepted to UNICEF, honestly, because I can't imagine now working on a warehouse or a factory. This really monotonous job where you are just with your own thoughts all the time. And for me, the best uh, way to stop thinking about war, about what is happening in Ukraine, was just to talk to as many people as possible, to socialize. Yes, for me as well. I'm absolutely agree with this one because it's so, so hard. I work as barista at the moment and it's uh, like working and thinking about future. It's helped a lot, but you still come home. You still open the news. You still like looking what happened in Ukraine and it's really hard to stay like thinking about your family. But I think about my family in perspectives that I can do something like this for me at this moment so I can help them after this. Like I want to study here as well. And I prepare myself for exams, like after my job, after some of, uh, after my volunteering, I come home and try to prepare myself to uh, university exams. And I just uh, like motivate me with the thoughts that I can help my family after this somehow, because my mother work at warehouse, this thoughts killing her so much. So I have to do something for my future so my family don't, see, don't overwhelm themselves by this. Unfortunately, there is no end of the war in sight. How do you guys look to the future, or do you look to the future? Do you make plans? How do you think about the future, even, uh, Masha? I don't have actually a place to come back. All my like town was bombed so many times, so I think we didn't have any like normal building in whole town. So, uh, and my family was entrepreneurs all their life, so we didn't have anything that we had before. But I think about the idea that I can go to university because I still think, you know, like, education is the most important, literally the most important idea in my life at the moment because I'm just 20 and all but I know that I have to study because it's helped me in some stabi- stability in life. And I, w- I prepare myself for exams. I want to study here in PR and marketing so much. And I, I want uh, good work as well for help my family because I still help my family with barista job, but I thinking about my future as like a normal person. Uh, Nicola, how do you look to the future given the uncertainty? I had big plans when I just moved to Kharkiv to study there, and then the war happened, and I stopped to build such plans for my future life. I also realized that first of all I have to finish my education. And I realized that there is no place for me to go back because my city is occupied and it's about it's about dignity question. I just can't go there now. Well, all I can say in conclusion is you guys are extremely brave and I think I can speak for all listeners in saying that we wish you very well and we wish victory for your country. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Ian Willoughby with that report, which brings us to the end of our programme here on Radio Prague International. If you have any comments about the programme, then please send them to us. You can contact us by email at english at radio.cz or on Facebook and X. We'll be glad to hear from you. But that's all for now from Mirud Frankova. Thank you very much for joining us and goodbye.